It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Soccer Talk podcast. On this week's podcast, we dive into one major change to look out for during the World Cup. We discuss news about MLS's Apple deal, our thoughts about CBS's destination Brooklyn, why MLS are planning on changing their playoffs next year, and two new documentaries of interest to most of you, the soccer fans. Plus, we, of course, we have our letters from you, the listeners, in our listener mailbag segment. My name is Christopher Harris, and I'm joined uh, with my co-host, Kartik Krishnayar. This is a unfiltered look at uh, the world of soccer on television and streaming. Uh, we provide our honest and uh, sometimes critical feedback, but also uh, lots of news about the industry in terms of how to watch things such as the World Cup, Champions League, Major League Soccer, and there's a lot going on. Now, Kartik, uh, we're taking this time to take a break from politics, uh, to give you a break from politics, really, and to talk about soccer. Uh, I know you've been busy. I know there's been a lot of stuff going on uh, this week, especially in Florida. But um, has there been anything of interest soccer-wise that you've seen from this past week that you want to uh, uh, talk about or point out? Soccer-wise, no. I mean, broadcast-wise, I think my gravitation to 2DNA um, for UEFA club competitions is is effectively complete um wow. which is so, unfortunate but i mean that's just you know i i know we're going to get into that so um, <laughs> well tell me more tell me more well what what is it about to do na or... i don't think the cbs so first off uh cbs's uh post and pre-match coverage i think is is is, is getting less and less useful and much like I said at times about NBC's Premier League coverage, I get more usefulness, more analysis by watching ESPN FC uh, uh, before or after the the, the, the uh, respective matches. You know that night, uh, later later uh, in the evening, or uh, or Gavin Jules, whatever you know, whatever uh, other ancillary program there is on on ESPN or from other providers. And I'm getting from CBS. Then you've got the fact that. Okay, I have to go through the extra step. Now, this is different for cord cutters. I get it. Um, the extra step of loading Paramount Plus, which is not that reliable, right? You know, you sometimes have to uh, leave the match at halftime, re-enter it uh, at, at halftime, uh, because the the linear coverage is of um, is of uh, the Golasso show, right? So. Uh, it's just become much easier to, to watch 2DNA linear, uh, whether it's uh, the match they show on 2DNA, the match they show on Galavision, the match they uh, or, or, or they show uh, matches elsewhere. It's just become much easier for me. So um, that sort of happened. And uh, I gave Destination Brooklyn a shot on uh, Tuesday. I, I'll admit I, I did not see it on Wednesday. Uh, I didn't bother. Uh, but Tuesday it was um, it was pretty terrible. To be honest with you, I thought it was going to be like the NBC Fan Fest we saw in Philly two weeks ago. It wasn't like that at all. 
Yeah, so let's talk first of all about Paramount Plus, and and that's the thing too. I mean, I've experienced similar things to Kartik, where for me personally, I I seek out uh, the the uh, Glasser show, and I think uh, Freddie uh, Lundberg is probably the uh, almost the uh, the unspoken hero. I mean, he he is really really good at his analysis. Um, him and Nico Cantor do a great job together. So for me, that fills my need to watch uh, when I'm watching Champions League. Um, for those fans who do want to watch just the game itself and, and with, I mean, great commentary, uh, those feeds are available separately too. But then we get to the uh, the pregame and the postgame and the halftime coverage on CBS Sports, um, more so with um, this desti- destination Brooklyn. But this one, I don't know who was advising them or, or who was kind of giving them it's almost like they were throwing things at the kitchen at the kitchen sink uh, to try to figure out a way. It wasn't funny. Um, and when I watched it on Tuesday, on Tuesday, I thought, okay, going into it without having seen it, I thought it was going to be a fan fest. It wasn't a fan fest. There were hardly any fans there. And from reports I got from a lot of our uh, listeners and readers, a lot of the invites went out, even though they signed up, uh, what, two weeks ago. A lot of the invites went out either the night before or the day of to say, hey, actually, one person said he got an invite. I think it was like an hour before the, the actual broadcast was supposed to happen and say, hey, uh, you're invited. Come come on down. But in terms of I thought it was going to be a fan fest on Tuesday, and I don't think it was a fan fest. Uh, it was basically kind of a, a studio set in, in a great location with a great backdrop. But the analysis, I mean, sometimes the mics weren't working. The audio was hard to hear what they were saying. But even when they were saying stuff, it was it reminded me, Kartik, and this is not a good thing. It reminded me of Turner Sports and all the inside jokes and kind of the laughing back and forth. Um, I'm sure if you were on the set and you were on, you mean, on the studio desk, it was a lot of fun. Uh, but for the viewer, it was painful. And on Wednesday, I watched it Wednesday too. Wednesday, there were a lot more fans there. So CBS Sports, probably the marketing uh, communications, got into high gear on the Wednesday and said, hey, let's, let's get more people out. But even then, too, the, the fans didn't seem that interested. It was just like it was like low energy. Um, again, lots of joking around and, and really no redeeming qualities. And, and to me, CBS Sports have hit some high marks, definitely, in their uh, broadcast of the Champions League. Uh, it's been inconsistent at times. But to me, this was the lowest of the low. This is the lowest I've seen CBS Sports in terms of their, their coverage. And again, I don't know who's advising them. This must have been a huge operation that took a lot of people, a lot of time, a lot of money. And it was it was not good to watch. I, I, I was not uh, not uh, not happy with it, to say the very least. So to do any. Yeah, so to do any. I mean, that's the thing, though, too, Kartik, behind the scenes working very hard, uh, having a lot of games on linear, um, and, and then, I, you mean, just kind of maintaining that quality. And then we'll, we'll see. Hopefully CBS Sports will bounce back from this uh, in next week's Champions League, but we'll have to wait and see. But I think in many ways, too, that I think that the, I don't know, Kate Abdo, I don't know if she had jet lag, but she seemed out of it. She was making a bunch of mistakes and I think just the chemistry on the set, it was difficult at times to understand what Thierry Henry was saying. And even Kate Abdo a couple of times was saying, said to uh, uh, Thierry, like, come again? What, what did you say? So, you mean, there's a whole host of different problems. Peter Schmeichel, for me, is somebody that a little bit of a Debbie Downer, just like the energy levels when when you go to Peter, which one of the all-time greats, respect him you mean hugely for what he's done on the football pitch but he's kind of a little bit dour a little bit funny at times but not really uh it, it was just a mess it was uh, anyway. so we could spend a whole show on this we we're not going to we're going to move on to the next topic but uh, yeah Kartik, i agree with you in terms of uh you mean i, I didn't watch to do any maybe i should have done but um maybe next week we'll see we'll see how it goes with uh CBS's coverage of the Champions League. Now, Kartik, we've got some big news to share, um, a whole bunch of different types of news. So I'll have you lead it off in terms of the, uh, the TV streaming news segment. Yeah, uh, Chris, in an Americanization of, of, of 
international football or growing Americanization of our international football, broadcasters can now ask managers for flash halftime interviews at the Qatar World Cup. Uh, these interviews aren't compulsory and they have to be agreed on by the media partners, uh, which in the case of this country are Fox and uh, Telemundo, uh, the licensees, um, and the respective national teams. Uh, interviews will take place at the beginning or at the end of the halftime break. I think also you might have some taped in the beginning that are aired at the end. Uh, if the host broadcaster submits a request in advance and the manager or assistant manager of the national team agrees to do so. Um, I don't like this. I, I, I think it's a little ridiculous, but I guess a lot of American fans like it. They think there's nothing wrong with it. Um, they, they don't think there's anything in a 15-minute halftime, anything wrong with taking a manager away from... Uh, his or her team for 30 seconds or an extra minute uh, so that the television audience can be entertained. Because that's what these interviews are. They're entertainment. The, the manager is not going to give you their strategy, their tactical uh, opinions uh, on uh, on air. And you don't necessarily have a Jose Mourinho or a Jurgen Klopp to entertain you. So I don't know what use these are, but they're happening. Yeah, I hope it's going to be... Uh done in a very limited manner so for example i'm sure fox is going to ask uh, the u.s soccer federation hey can we speak to greg berhalter halftime uh during each game that usa plays and i think in some ways that's okay because we we're used to that on u.s television uh, and again to your point kartik he's not going to provide any any um any wisdom or any tactical analysis it's just going to be kind of just instant feedback and and some coaches are more guarded than others um i think the only benefit for this is if something outrageous happens in the first half you mean somebody gets sent off or there's a uh i don't know like kind of a, T a thomas tuchel antonio conte uh skirmish or fight or something like that and you get some really uh, unfiltered kind of honest analysis, well not analysis but just uh, some discussion about things like that but those things happen so rarely in the game of soccer so I think uh, I'm just hoping that this is not going to be overdone and over overkill where broadcasters are going to ask uh, the national team coaches every single game and we get like you mean like basically three minutes or four minutes of just uh, like you said entertainment with with no redeeming quality so Hopefully, this will be very, very limited, and hopefully it's not going to impact the viewing experience. Now, Kartik, um, that's some big news. Some other big news um, this week, too, and this is coming in, uh, we're recording this Thursday from The Athletic, and that's new details about the MLS-Apple TV deal. Uh, we're now four months after uh, Apple has announced the deal. We're still waiting on a lot of details. However, The Athletic was able to find out a few details. Um, first of all, especially for our, our listeners, it seems to be likely that Taylor Twelman is going to be doing MLS games on Apple TV. Now, Apple has a 10-year deal with Major League Soccer, so it's a good opportunity. Uh, Taylor's contract is up, so this could be a, a big opportunity for him. Likewise, MLS are trying to hire uh, Spanish-language uh, broadcasters too, commentators, uh, Luis uh, Omar Tapia, who's one of the best, uh, as well as Diego Balodo and um, Hercules Gomez. So if they're able to get those on the Spanish-language side, those are some great pickups there. Now, other details uh, from the piece in The Athletic is that the MLS All-Star Game is likely only to appear on Apple TV and Apple TV+. Plus, So it's unlikely that that game is going to be on television uh, in the future. Uh, the league also uh, won't be able to get a centralized production facility set up in time for the new season. And I think we talked about that a few episodes ago, too. It's just there's too much... Uh, uh, not enough time and there's a lot to do still so that won't be ready so instead MLS is going to produce every game out of a on-site production truck in 2023 so that's going to be a lot more costly right <clears throat> you're going to have to uh, have crews and trucks go into every game and to be parked basically in the parking lot uh, doing those games and doing the production both in English and in Spanish 
Now, estimates are that Major League Soccer may be sinking in as much as $60 million to $100 million into production costs in 2023 alone. So previously, they didn't have to worry about that because they had, uh, I mean, Fox, uh, ESPN, Univision, etc., as well as the regional sports networks picking up uh, the costs for production. However, $60 million to $100 million a year is certainly going to uh, eat into the profits that uh, Major League Soccer was planning on getting from this Apple TV deal. And last but not least, uh, the plan is that for all the talent, uh, which is a change, actually, that all the talent uh, is going to travel to broadcast matches in person. So instead of having uh, a, a co-commentator and a commentator, and presumably a presenter, uh, calling the games from a studio, uh, because the production trucks are going to be at the stadium, uh, they're going to have a, or actually this is the recommendation, is that they're going to have all of the talent uh, at the stadiums instead of calling games off monitors in that centralized production facility in the future. So, Kartik, based on all those points there, as well as the, the Taylor Tolman news, um, what's your thoughts? Well, I think that it's going to be very, very costly. The Taylor Tolman news is great. I think he's one of the best in the business, but it's going to be very costly, this production. And that was something I have been saying all along as someone who has some experience on that end, that maybe these costs would spiral not out of control, but spiral well beyond what MLS had anticipated. And uh, I don't think that's good. I think that's a problem. Now, once they get the centralized production facility, uh, they'll be able to control costs a little better. And and uh, But it takes years. I, I know for USL, it was a massive investment at, at the front end, and it cost a lot of money. And now we are... What is this? Six? Uh, what year is it? 2022. We're in the seventh season of USL using the USL production studio in, in Fort Lauderdale, the sixth full season. And uh, it's paid off now. Now it's, it's turnkey. It's cost effective, everything. But it takes time. And uh, I'm not sure MLS um, really ramped this up. Uh, quickly enough, or, 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 or well, clearly, because they're, they're not going to have the, the, the centralized facility ready. So, um, yeah, I mean, again, it's a 10-year deal, and I'm sure in, in the end it'll pay off, but there's going to be some growing pains, some teething uh, initially that's uh, go- going to hurt the league. Yeah, the base amount, uh, just to remind listeners too, that uh, Major League Soccer is getting from Apple as part of the deal is uh, $250 million a year. And uh, there's also other incentives and, and opportunities to increase that, uh, depending on how many people sign up for the service. But the base amount, I mean, kind of worst case scenario, is $250 million uh, each year uh, for Major League Soccer. And if it's going to cost $100 million the first year, um, maybe more. I mean, it, dep- it depends in terms of, I mean, costs are rising with everything these days. Um, that's going to eat into their opportunity to go ahead and, and build. Um, Long term, yes, it makes total sense. Long term, it's going to be a good investment. But next year might be tough for Major League Soccer, um, especially with the pressure on them to go ahead and try to figure out you know, how to grow this league. And having said that, Kartik, uh, a good segue there is this week, um, um, basically, plans have been leaked where Major League Soccer are considering for next season changing the playoff structure. So instead of the way it happens now, which which actually this season, I think, to me, in terms of the way that, the way that they have it, it's probably the best they've had it, where it's uh, one-off games and the playoff schedule is, is pretty condensed going up, uh, up to the MLS Cup final, of course. It's been exciting because it's uh, kind of a do-or-die and as the teams go through, you know, you keep on winning, you keep on going. There's none of this two-leg uh, affair. But next year, they're considering doing a World Cup tournament. So effectively, at the end of the 2023 season, about 55% of the teams will qualify for a playoff uh, structure where there's going to be a World Cup format, uh, possibly uh, four groups of uh, four teams, and then they will play each other within those groups to try to move through to the next the next stage. So it's almost a, a season after the, the regular season ends, I mean, culminating, of course, in the MLS Cup final. Kartik, um, what's your thoughts? Why is Major League Soccer thinking about 
changing everything when arguably this playoff structure that they have in place right now seems to be a winner in terms of MLS fans. Well, it's a winner in terms of MLS fans in that it's a winner for the hardcore uh, MLS promoter and for the side, uh, the fans of the individual teams that are, remain in the playoffs. It is not a winner for the television audience. It is not a winner for television ratings. It is not a winner for the advertisers. It is not a winner for the sponsors. So uh, MLS is rightly looking at, 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 at tweaking uh, this uh this formula. Now, I know it, 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 it makes the regular season maybe even more irrelevant. Um, although, again, you could you could view the regular season as uh, World Cup qualifying um, and then the uh, playoffs as the World Cup and then the, you know, the, the, the group stage and the knockout stage. But, um, yeah, I, I just think that they have a problem with television ratings and, and creating context. Now, the thing that surprises me, though, is with their move to Apple TV, I thought that stuff would matter less. The television ratings, the the numbers, the fact that matches are being played on all sorts of random days in the playoffs, right? The fact that attendance is lower during the playoffs than it is during the regular season. This is a very bad thing for MLS, and that's been going on regardless of what playoff format they have. Um... I thought the move to Apple TV was to allow them to have kind of a more orderly way of doing things where they don't have to constantly tweak things because of um, television ratings or uh, that sort of backlash. But maybe the sponsors aren't happy with what they're getting. So um, another tweak. Well, I think I think a couple there's a couple of different reasons why they're uh, planning on basically blowing up the playoff system and can, coming up with with a new solution, and that is that the new solution with this World Cup format will mean that there's more playoff games, and because there's more playoff games, that'll mean that there's more uh, opportunities for the home teams to generate more money for match day revenue, it, you know, ticket sales, merchandise, etc., concessions. Um, but then the other thing, though, too, is that because of the MLS still does not have a TV deal for 2023 onwards. Uh, so Univision, Fox, ESPN are interested, but they're going to be paying a lot less than they were before. And because of MLS's production costs for this uh, this first season, I think MLS is looking at this saying, OK, hey, if we increase the number of playoff games, we can actually generate more revenue for the, the, the individual clubs or franchises, but also we can make up uh, some money for the losses of not having the, a major TV deal and also because of having the production costs. So they're, they're used, I mean, to me, I guess it, it, in itself, if, if the whole season was that World Cup tournament playoff structure, I think that'd be great. It's, it's like MLS Cup. MLS Cup was a success in many ways. Uh, it was different. It was entertaining. It filled it filled a void where there wasn't much else going on. Uh, however, to actually do that at the end of a regular season just makes the whole regular season meaningless, relatively speaking. I mean, why watch all those games for like, what, seven months just to get to a stage where now 55% of those teams qualify for a World Cup uh, playoff format where the chances of uh, I mean, progressing through that is in rel- rather limited and, again, extended even more. At the end of the day, this is just Major League Soccer trying to figure out ways to make more money, to bring more money in to cover a lot of these bills. Uh, and also, in terms of the TV deals, going to be a lot, lot less than they were before. And they're kind of stuck with a sample deal. The sample deal is a good deal. It's a good deal for cord cutters. It's a good deal for reducing the complexities of figuring out who's going to be broadcasting which match. But however, it's not good for television because if you're Fox or ESPN or Univision, why should you pay a lot of money for these games if Apple has these games um, also? It, it just cannibalizes the whole situation. So yeah, so I can see why MLS are doing it. It could be fun if you win the... Uh, World Cup playoffs and go all the way through to the MLS Cup, Cup final, but it is going to be... And actually, that's the other thing, Kartik. It's just the calendar issues. It's the worst time of the year, right? I mean, right now, you've got MLS playoffs. Um, the headaches are you can't play games on Saturdays because sat- Saturdays all filled with college football. And then on Sundays, you're competing against NFL games. 
So <laughs> it's like the worst possible situation in terms of the way the calendar is. And even, instead of Major League Soccer looking at this as an opportunity to go ahead and change the format of the season, change the calendar, make some big positive changes for the next 10 years, they're doubling down on what they're doing and actually extending it and making the playoffs even longer. It's just, uh, you know, to me, it's, it's frustrating knowing that there is a better way. All right, let's move on to talking about World Cup news, and that is a couple of different uh, points here. Is John Champion, speaking of ESPN, is going to be working for ITV, um, independent television in Great Britain, and he's going to be one of their lead commentators for the World Cup. So he's going to Qatar, uh, not with ESPN, because ESPN doesn't have the rights anymore, but he will be calling the games there for ITV, which is great news for him. Uh, ITV's World Cup team the the studio pundits that they have uh, there's a long list of people but the three marquee names that they have are gary neville roy Keane, and graeme Souness. and if you had those three <laughs> in the studio for a post-match uh, analysis that would be must watch tv uh, all three have really uh, uh, i mean really really good analysis and, and, and interesting takes on the game of football also uh, Martin Tyler, uh, according to World Soccer Talk sources, is going to be working for SBS Sports in Australia. So he's going to uh, Qatar to call games exclusively for the Australian market. And then Kartik, there's a couple of more uh, documentaries coming out in the next few weeks. Um, there's one called The Rise of the Premier League, and this is going to be on the Smithsonian Channel, which seems like a strange channel to show it, but they're going to be uh, starting on November 6th. Uh, it's a series that uh, aired last year, I believe, on Amazon uh, in the UK. But this is the US debut, and it's called Fever Pitch, The Rise of the Premier League on the Smithsonian Channel, which I believe is available through Paramount+. Plus. And then last but not least, Netflix has a series called FIFA Uncovered about the FIFA corruption scandal. And this one is coming out on November 9th. Uh, just what? Just like basically 10 days before the World Cup starts. And this is going to be, I'm sure, a uh, Sepp Blatter, Michel Platini, Platini, and maybe a Chuck Blazer um, documentary, just kind of going through all the corruption that was involved in our beautiful game. One more thing before we move on to Listener Mailbag is last week we talked about a little bit, there was breaking news about uh, Televisa uh, Univision. Uh, possibly getting rights to more Liga MX games. So I did some uh, reporting on this one and made some calls, spoke to Televisa uh, Univision, and um, the deal is is that the deal for Liga MX is a global deal uh, outside of Mexico, but only for commercial rights. It does not include media rights. So in the United States, for example, uh, Univision still has 13 of the 18 clubs in Liga MX, um, and moving forward, even with this deal for commercial rights with Liga MX, that does not change. Okay, Kartik, let's move on to listener mailbag. And uh, first up is Johan. Johan says uh, he wants to talk about the World Cup. He says, I just wanted to get your thoughts. Who do you think has the better setup for the coverage of the World Cup, Telemundo or Fox Sports? I personally think it's Telemundo, but I just wanted to get your thoughts. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, I agree, Johan. Uh, we could, uh, uh, we, we could, we could drone on about this. Look, I, I, uh, I think Telemundo did a really good job of, of, of winning over English language fans like myself in 20, uh, 2018. Uh, actually it started with the Confederations Cup in 2017. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'm really anxious to see if there is some sort of upgrade in Fox's coverage. Now, maybe I shouldn't say this on air, but I'm going to. You know, you're in your subconscious state, some, sometimes things happen. Uh, strange things happen. You can't explain why you have dreams. Chris, I had a dream the other day, night or other morning, whatever it was, in the middle of the, middle of the morning, about Rob Stone and Alexi Lawless on set. And <laughs> thinking that they were 
oh, you know, they're getting it. They're doing a good job. So maybe that's my subconscious telling me, give Fox a chance on uh, this World <laughs> Cup. I'm not kidding to the listeners. I did have this dream. Um, and I almost got up and tweeted about it at 5 in the morning, but I decided I better not. Um, but I'm telling the audience this. But no, I, I, I think Telemundo is much, much better. But we'll see. Maybe, maybe Fox has learned from the listener feedback. They have learned from the concern a lot of us have expressed through the years about their coverage. Um, I, I think that their coverage at times of the of the uh, um, Nations League, the last couple international breaks, has been okay when they bothered to show it on linear television. That's, you know, a big if. So maybe they'll be dialed in and committed. But no, I, I prefer Telemundo's uh, coverage, Johan, uh, by, a, by a pretty substantial distance. Yeah, this week uh, Telemundo released a... Uh a an ad uh, basically an advertisement on, on i mean basically a video kind of a 30 second or 60 second ad and i watched that ad and i was excited for the world cup i mean i don't speak spanish i don't understand much spanish a few a few words here or there but i watched this 60 second commercial and i was like wow i i'm i'm really excited this, this is really exciting um and what it did it, it actually focused more so on the talent and it showed all the di- the different names that are going to be involved in the in the uh, Telemundo's coverage, and it showed the passion the passion of what the World Cup meant to the uh, to me. And it there was a little bit of com- comedy in it too, but it was full on excitement, passion, and you know, I mean, a lot of great talents. Right, uh, they've got so many people involved in their World Cup coverage, some really big names. However. Fox's commercial on a scale of zero to ten, and if anyone's seen it, it's not been uh, televised that much or shown that much on, on TV commercials. It's the one with John Hamm, where he pretends to be Santa Claus. On the excitement meter, on a scale of zero to ten, I probably would give Telemundo's maybe like a six or seven, maybe a seven. Uh, Fox's, I'd probably give a one. Because it doesn't fill me with excitement. All that that commercial does, it's there's no talent shown in that video. All it is is basically John Hamm informing the American public, hey, between uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas is going to be the World Cup this year. It's meant to be more of kind of an educational tool. It appears to be. It does not fill me with excitement. It does not get me the heart racing going, like, oh, my gosh, i got to watch the World Cup. So... Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Going back to Johan's question, I mean, we haven't seen Telemundo's coverage of the World Cup. We haven't seen Fox's commercial, uh, coverage of the World Cup, I mean, obviously, because it hasn't started yet. However, my thinking with Fox's coverage this year, um, there are very ser- serious issues within Qatar, and we will cover those in depth, and we already have at worldsoccertalk.com. But with Fox, I'm going in thinking maybe I should treat this as more of a comedy. That you mean the, the the dumb things that they say or the mistakes that they make on air or just the 
I mean, how they just don't get it. Maybe, maybe I, I'll take that as more of a, a comedy and laugh it off rather than get serious and upset and just, um, you mean, ruin my day type of thing. Because when they do get it wrong, they get it way, way wrong. Um, so I, I don't have a lot of confidence in Fox. And yes, they have Ian Dark. They've hired him as a co-commentator. Or, uh, I'm sorry, as a commentator. They've hired Jackie Oatley as a uh, commentator. They have Derek Ray, so on and so forth, JP Della Camera. So the commentators I think I'm okay with. It's just the studio talent. And we have to remember, too, that these games are going to be shown between the hours of 4 a.m., well, actually 5 a.m. in the morning, all the way through till 4 p.m. in the afternoon, Eastern time. And that's just the games, back to back to back to back. So... Um, for most of us, this is going to be during office hours. This is going to be during the workday. Uh, and then the weekends, we can you know, let our hair down and, and watch some of these games and, and watch more of the coverage. I think the reality is, is not, there's not going to be a, as many people watching this World Cup as in previous years. Certainly not 2014 with the World Cup in Brazil. Um, so Fox is banking on big time, big time on the U.S., doing well in this tournament the u the u.s has to get through to that group uh, to the knockout stage the second round if they don't that's going to be a huge huge hit against uh, fox because they're pinning all the hopes on this u.s team and i hope they do well you mean but um they're going to hype it up as much as they can and they're banking on it so we'll see telemundo's coverage i'm sure will be great um, foxes, maybe we'll all have a laugh at it. I mean, if if we watch it. All right, let's move on. Uh, Chris says, um, Chris says, as far as uh, Peacock's World Cup coverage, I am definitely going to watch through that method to avoid Fox. This is Chris uh, Guardino. Uh, the one thing that NBC should do when it comes to this is to enhance its coverage, if it's possible, is to simulcast those matches on USA or even over-the-air NBC for fans who don't have access to Peacock. Now, we saw that last World Cup where uh, I think it was, um, yeah, it was NBCSN showed a game, and maybe even CNBC, one of the games, they showed some of the games, maybe maybe like two or three games in Spanish on English-language channels. NBCSN is no more. I don't think... Um, NBC Universal is going to show games in Spanish on the USA channel. Uh, maybe overnight, maybe those uh, that 5 a.m. to 7 a.m. game, but then again, probably not. It, it would get better ratings for whatever's on USA channel. So this year, I don't think uh, NBC over the air, definitely not. Um, I just don't think, I mean, and, and they want people to watch it on Telemundo. If not Telemundo, Peacock, right, in Spanish. So I don't think they're, they're going to be using the TV on the English language side as much to show games in Spanish language this time. Regarding uh, your opinionated uh, uh, talks or kind of thoughts, Kartik, and mine about Fox, about Fox censoring themselves from reporting the real truth of what's happening in Qatar, uh, Mercator says, this is very harsh on Fox. None of the World Cup uh, broadcasters, including Telemundo, will say much of anything on these topics. If they do, they will be blackballed and probably sued. I'm not sure what you expect of them. Uh, Qatar is not a country where you can just do freelance journalism. So, sued by who? And in whose courts? <laughs> yeah. I haven't finished it. Let me, let me finish, though. But... Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> so uh, Mercator continues. He says, if you unc uncover anything newsworthy, you will be jailed and or deported quickly. The time to complain is, was when they were, were awarded the World Cup, before the stadiums were built, before we switched uh, to this absurd winter schedule, when it was obvious a country of two million people in the desert has no business legitimately being awarded the World Cup. Everyone knew exactly how these stadiums would be built when they were awarded the Cup. It is too late now. I, I agree with Fox. Once the tournament starts, it's about the football. We are all aware of Qatar's issues, but if I want to hear about politics or human rights, I will turn to CNN at halftime. The last thing I want to see is Alexi Lalas have a chat with a group of abused migrant workers. 
Yeah, this. Th- yeah, I, I disagree with this, and partly too because um, the BBC and ITV have already said that they're going to come out and talk about the issues, and it's not going to be kind of a a one hour documentary before the game starts. But they're not going to hide away from it. They're not going to be scared away, um, and they can't be sued for basically talking about things that are very publicly available in terms of the number of people who have died in this in, in Qatar, um, the, the poor living conditions. So what's happening behind the scenes is Qatar is mounting a huge PR uh, move to try to limit um, the amount of uh, coverage um, in those migrant worker sites. So, for example, uh, they've banned the BBC and ITV from filming in those locations. Uh, meanwhile, Fox whose biggest sponsor is Qatar Airways, has publicly said, hey, we're not going to even cover it. If somebody else wants to cover the news about uh, what's happening off the pitch, uh, go for it. But we're not going to talk about it. But but to me, I mean, just the... I don't know. To me, this is kind of a defense for Qatar. I mean, when Qatar was awarded the World Cup, we came down big time, right? At worldsoccertalk.com, we had podcasts, articles, campaigns... I mean, a lot, a lot. We did a lot to basically get the word out there to say this is enough. This is stupid. This is ridiculous that Russia and Qatar were awarded the World Cup. Um, and there's a lot of people though too that are out there that don't know the facts. They don't know the news. Mokator does in terms of uh, what's happening in Qatar. I'm sure. I'm sure many of our listeners do do, do too. But not everyone. Ninety percent. Ninety percent of the people who watch the World Cup don't pay attention when the the host nation's awarded, when stadiums are being built, when preparations are underway. So um, we may live in a bubble as soccer fans. You know, like I I even get shocked every week when uh, uh, someone mentioned something to me uh, about the Premier League or, or something going on in, in world football that I was like, oh, I thought that was common knowledge. So I get sucked into that bubble too. Thinking, oh, that's 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 shocking. You know, how come uh, uh, you, you're just finding this out um, type of thing? So we have to remember that the vast majority of people who are watching this World Cup have no idea about that stuff and would be exposed to it for the first time if Fox covered this properly. Now, instead, uh, they will be exposed to it from some other outlet, probably. Yeah, that's a part. I don't think so, though, Kartik. I, th- I think uh, you and I, maybe Grant Wall many there's not going to be a lot of uh, media talking about these issues um you mean if you want to get more coverage go to worldsoccertalk.com we have articles about this we've done this on previous podcasts we will be talking about it from time to time making sure that people are aware of these issues i think in mokato's case mokato i disagree with you on this one i think you're giving fox a free ride uh, yes, we don't want the coverage of the World Cup to be focused on politics. I, I, I don't want it to be. But I think it's Fox's duty to at least mention it, to at least be transparent, to at least be honest with people and say, hey, I mean, we don't like it. Here's what's happening. Um, this is what has happened in the past. This is what this World Cup was built on, on the backs, I mean, on the lives of over 6,000 people who have died um, in the last several years, and 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 that is not that is not cool. But let's not even you know taking the the uh, the the cutter politics out of it and 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 human rights stuff. You could still you also have the internal politics of FIFA, which they're unwilling to talk about. They're a rights holder. What is FIFA going to do? FIFA to litigate breaking Fox's contract in U.S. court. Right. Yeah. They're not yeah. Gonna, yeah they're, they're not going to be able to do it. So they they could very easily talk about the corruption in FIFA. How many people have been banned from the game uh, for life? The sort of uh, uh, seediness that went around the bidding process for the 2018 and 2022 World Cups. Uh, if they say they don't want to talk about Qatar and human rights, I, I I completely disagree with that. I agree with you, Chris. But even if you want to take the local politics out of it, don't take the soccer politics out of it. Yeah, definitely. It, it's it's something that's uh, rotten to its core. And and FIFA, yeah, absolutely. FIFA's to blame for a lot of this stuff, too, in terms of, I mean, um, Gianni Infantino is now living in uh, Qatar. I'm sure Qatar's paying for a beautiful palace. I mean, it's just so much so much corruption involved. And we thought, too, when Sepp Blatter uh, was basically uh, stepped down from FIFA president, that things would be better. 
the things would be fixed. The things, there wouldn't be so much corruption. We'll see in this Netflix documentary. I mean, most of that information in that documentary, uh, we already know. But it's still good to get that information out there to a on, on Netflix, right? Where people will be, will be watching this. However, the corruption, if anything, has probably gotten worse or just, it was just as bad as it was back then. Um, it's not just FIFA either. You can look at all levels of soccer. There's There's a lot of corruption involved. So... You mean us being harsh on Fox for uh, wanting them to actually speak the truth? And actually, the, the whole thing about uh, Fox possibly being sued, or I've heard some from other, some other people too, maybe they would have the World Cup rights taken away from them for, for 2026, which is a joke. <laughs> they, that would never happen. Uh, if anything, it's the other way around. Fox threatened to sue um, FIFA because of the 2022 World Cup, this World Cup is happening in a few weeks. This has happened several years ago. They threatened to sue FIFA because um, the games were going to be sh- uh, played during the winter instead of the summer. And that would impact Fox's opportunity to generate more revenue from advertisers, having the games in the summertime, right, instead of up against NFL. So if anything, it's the other way around. It's not going to be FIFA taking away the uh, the World Cup uh, rights from, from Fox. Um, so, yeah. So anyway, one more thing on this one, too. Is Dave says, Mike Tirico is the very rare, exceptional sports broadcaster who can handle a challenging topic while being serious but not sanctimonious. Fox Soccer does not have a Tirico, and I'm glad they are not pretending they do. Yeah, and that's that's a fair point. However, Fox could certainly hire somebody. Uh, they're spending several million dollars to build a set in Doha. I'm sure to hire, you mean whether it's I don't know, who knows a a uh, a news reporter, which they will have news crews in Qatar uh, showing the, the the actual country uh, all the positive things about it. Um, I'm sure they could afford to get a news reporter if they really, really wanted to. But yeah, right now they don't really have anyone in that spot who, who is somebody that uh, you could put all of faith and trust in, really. All right, let's move on to welcome to Wrexham on ESPN. Um, well, actually, ESPN Plus, I guess. Uh, Hulu Plus. Uh, JP says, can it's kind of a chicken and an egg situation with ESPN airing the Wrexham match in the FA Cup. Was it a groundswell of support from the documentary that made them show it? Or was it ESPN using it to further do- promote the documentary? I'm leaning towards towards the latter. They likely have more invested and uh, will make more money off the documentary than anything they would gain from airing the match. The match is merely an in-house promotion for it. Also, I wouldn't be shocked if they use it use footage for the matches that air in future seasons or build a storyline story line, line into an episode about an American broadcaster coming over to cover the match. I think it's a little bit of both. It's, there was definitely a groundswell of support uh, from this series, for sure. Uh, however, the game itself, I mean, just just grows that. And, and yeah, it, it is an in-house promotion, but also it's an opportunity to actually see Rexton play live in person on, on television or, or streaming. Um, so it, it it works hand in hand. Kevin says, uh, let me see, Kevin talks about Wrexham too. He says, I'm no fan of Major League Soccer. I don't like the system much with the cap spending and kind of wished it had promotion relegation. But I will watch a game here and there. I prefer the Premier League and have listened to the podcast long enough to know it's your, uh, you guys, uh, it's your guys thing to bag on MLS. It used to be fun, I admit, but this is obvious. You guys are trying too hard to find a way to make this supposed success of Wrexham a huge story and lesson for Major League Soccer. Yeah, it's, I mean, we, I mean, I probably watched more Major League Soccer this season than I have in several years. I mean, so I watch the league. It's not that we bag on MLS. Um, However, there's a lot of media in the United States that are, uh, probably scared is the best word, scared of being critical, scared of being honest about their feelings about Major League Soccer, scared about saying the wrong thing. Um, we're independent, so we have an opportunity to actually kind of speak our minds and be unfiltered. 
And sometimes those are things that um, fans of MLS clubs don't want to hear or or don't like hearing or or get defensive about it. But we're not trying to bag on on MLS. Um, There's no doubt that the Wrexham AFC has been a big success uh, and continues to grow. And by pointing that out and showing some of the things that they've been doing well in terms of the television production or just uh, the storytelling aspect of how the Welcome to Wrexham series has done so well, uh, these are things that I think Major League Soccer can learn from and Apple could learn from in terms of having something like that. Um, and with Welcome to Wrexham being relatively a new series, right? It just launched um, what just a couple of months ago. Uh, they've been able to achieve so much in such a short amount of, of time that uh, even ESPN themselves, I mean, Major League Soccer has not had a chance to do. MLS had that documentary about LAFC, I think a couple of years ago, uh, and they tried to shop that around to see if somebody could pick it up such as a Netflix or some other type of streaming service. Um, they all passed on it. I think the first episode was actually pretty good. But from then on, it felt like an infomercial. And when I watch Welcome to Wrexham, it does not feel like an inf- infomercial. It feels like a an honest account of the community. And, and that's probably a, the aspect, too, that we, we don't get as much with MLS... Um, documentaries and there are not a lot of MLS documentaries anyway but but in terms of what I would say to MLS is that there's a learning lesson there about the community aspect and that's what kind of pulls me into that Wrexham story even more uh it's not like a I mean Wrexham is better than Major League Soccer it's just that I I think there's learning learning lessons here for everyone involved All right, let's move on to Michael. Michael has a question. He says, I have a question about the power of sponsors with transfers. For instance, Vinicius Jr., um, would his personal sponsors step in and stop him going to, say, Chelsea, for example, because they're a Nike team? This has happened before, Kartik. I, I did do a little bit of research, research on this one. Yeah, absolutely. It ha- it, can, can, you th- can you think of any examples yourself? I mean, I had to do a little bit of digging, but I, I do have an example to share. Uh, offhand, no, but I know what's happened. And I, if you gave me 10 minutes, I'd probably remember when it's happened. But go yeah. ahead. You, you've done the research. So. Yeah, so, so according to ESPN, this is a report on ESPN, Nike offered uh, – it actually played a, a key role – in uh, Frankie de Jong's decision to reject an offer from PSG and sign for Barcelona. Barcelona. Um, uh, Nike is a sponsor of both Barcelona and de Jong, and uh, they paid a large amount of money uh, for the midfielder's salary. So part of his salary uh, sources to the club uh, told ESPN. So there's an example of somebody that is a, a Nike player, right? Frankie de Jong, uh, and they want him to play for you know, Barcelona, which is a, a Nike team. Um, and ha- them sponsoring both makes more sense, maybe, for uh, to pay Frankie de Jong's uh, salary or portion of it and keep him there, keep him happy, and continue to have him be uh, a Nike uh, brand, basically, or brand ambassador. So that, that's one example. There are other examples. Um, I, 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 I know of, t- I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it has it does happen from time to time. I don't think it's as prevalent as some people might think it is, but yeah, it does happen. Ryan says, I apologize ahead of time. This is a long one, but here goes. Uh, first, when will some people uh, show respect to Fulham? They are seventh in the table and playing really good football. Uh, the only worry, I think, is that uh, they have given up too many goals. Mitrovic has been outstanding and Paulinha... Uh, maybe the best, uh, the biggest signing for Fulham that seems to go under the radar. William has been such a good signing, as well as I think his leadership and experience in the Premier League has been very beneficial uh, for Fulham. Do you believe Fulham is a top half of the table finishing team? Could easily see an eighth or ninth place finish. I know it's kind of early, but I am excited to see where they finish. Um, also, actually... What about you, Kartik? I know you're a big admirer of Fulham this season. Yeah, I think that they could finish in the top half. I think that they are uh, – most seasons there's a newly promoted, promoted team that fights for to finish in the top half. It was Wolves a few years ago. Then it was uh, Sheffield United. Then it was uh, Leeds. Right? We've had, we've had our fair share of these. I, I think Fulham – 
Um, I liked them last season in the championship under Marco Silva. I thought my instinct told me they'd be okay this season. Uh, and I told some Fulham fans that, even Fulham fans in the UK, I know that. And then they made no signings. It looked like Tony Khan was screwing the pooch, for lack of a better term, uh, uh, when we did our Premier League preview show. And then within a couple days after we recorded that show, they had the signings that Silva wanted. And I thought, okay, now they'll be fine. Uh, and then there were some early wobbles, and but I, I think they'll be. I think they're good. Um, and by the way, Andres Pereira uh, was loaned out how many times by Manchester United? Look at how good this guy is as a Premier League, uh, influential Premier League creative player. So uh, I, uh, uh, I think that they also did a great job of, of finding a couple of castoffs uh, and integrating them into what was the best team in the Championship last year, and now uh, potentially a top half team in the Premier League for sure. Yep, and Ryan, um, unfortunately, we can't read the the entire uh, email that you sent in, but we will finish off with uh, your last point, which is uh, with all the newfound fame that Wrexham is getting due to the show, do you think they may have more pressure on them now than they have before in trying to gain promotion to League Two? It just feels like now with all the popularity that Wrexham is getting, that not gaining promotion could be devastating to them and a letdown to the new fan base they have now gained. And Kartik, without giving away any uh, spoilers in terms of how they're doing this season, I agree with Ryan. I mean, if they don't get promoted, what's the story next season? I mean, it, it, it loses its oomph a little bit. If they do get promoted at the end of the season, um, I mean, the third season is going to be incredible. You mean in terms of, or even the second season, the second season, seeing them promoted, and then the third season, seeing them play in League Two and what that means at that level and how that changes everything is going to be fascinating. If it's another season in the, the Vanarama National uh, Conference League, I'm sure there's going to be plenty to talk about, but it wouldn't be as exciting. No, I, I agree, and I, I think that they, I, I think they really do need to get promoted this year. Uh, this is actually year three, uh, if you consider uh, the 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 partial season they had, where they uh, they all they they got the sixth, they got the seventh or eighth, they almost got to the playoffs. So, um, yeah, it's a building process, uh, but uh, the way they uh, I, I don't want to give any spoilers about the TV <laughs> show. Um, yeah, so they need to they need to get promoted this year. Just to give you an idea of how popular this show is, my mother-in-law, who knows nothing about soccer, who has no interest in soccer, has been captivated by this series. And I didn't tell her to watch it. Uh, she lives in a different part of Florida than I do. So I have no influence over what she watches. But she was up here this past weekend, and she said to me, like, hey, do you think Wrexham can get promoted this season? Do you think they have a good chance? And I answered her, but I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that somebody who has no interest in soccer is hooked and knows about Wrexham and knows the situation that they're in. It's just incredible. All right, listeners, uh, thank you so much for all your feedback in the Listener Mailbag segment. We really appreciate it. Uh, as you can see, sometimes we, do, we don't agree with your comments and feedback, but we are definitely going to read them out on air and sometimes talk about them, debate them. You still may disagree with us, but at least we're very honest. Uh, whether it's positive, ne negative, or indifferent, uh, we aim to try to read it out as much of your feedback as possible. There's a few different ways you can get in touch with us. Uh, one is through our voicemail. Uh, so that's 561-247-4625. And you can leave a voicemail there. It goes straight through to voicemail. Uh, the second way is through email, which is web at worldsoccertalk.com. Third way would be Twitter, um, which is at worldsoccertalk. And then the fourth way, actually, uh, fourth way is Facebook, facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk, and you can leave us a message there. And then fifth and finally, the website, of course, which is worldsoccertalk.com. In the top section in the, the main navigation, uh, click on podcast and then just leave your comments in the most recent episode. And we will try to we'll, we'll endeavor to try to get uh, to post those uh, to, to actually uh, talk about the, the feedback. We're getting closer to the World Cup uh, as we record this. I think we're 24 days away. Um, the crazy thing about this, Kartik, is that uh, looking at the calendar, most of the European leagues end their seasons November 13th. The first game in the World Cup is November 20th. 
there's only a week, <laughs> a week break, which is insane. And and also even I think the the competition, the, the World Cup finals on December nineteenth. The Premier League picks up again on December twenty sixth on Boxing Day. There's only a week after the World Cup ends, so this is going to be. Uh, it could be the most amazing World Cup ever. It could be the worst World Cup ever. But in terms of like the break for players, there's no break, right? I mean, one week before the World Cup to go to your squad to get you know, ready is, I mean, it, it's nuts, crazy. All right, Kartik, uh, I know uh, listeners uh, love to get in touch with you and me sometimes through social media. Uh, for me, you can reach me uh, on Twitter at at the gaffer and Kartik, where can they find you on Twitter? At KKFLA737. All right, listeners, thank you so much for listening to the show. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, we'll be back next week talking about TV and streaming news. And uh, Kartik, I know what you will be doing uh, this weekend, but uh, what should the listeners do? Enjoy your football. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. 